Let's pray. Now, Father, which art in heaven, we come unto thee this night in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. We come through the cleansing power of the blood that was shed at Calvary when our blessed Saviour was slain. The Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. We thank thee for this opportunity that we can meet together and open up your word. We thank thee that thou art a God who has spoken. We thank thee that thy word is quick and powerful. Thy word created. And thy word convicts of sin. And thy word leads us unto all truth and righteousness. For thy word speaks of our blessed Saviour. We pray that in this meeting here tonight that we might learn more of our blessed Saviour in your word. That indeed you will deal with our hearts as we need to be dealt with. <coughs> you will draw us closer to thyself. And so we ask your blessing upon this our time together tonight. In Christ Jesus' name, Amen. Now we're in the book of Acts, please, tonight, in the second chapter. Acts chapter 2. We're going to read, please, from the twelfth verse. And we're going to read through to the end of verse 21. Acts chapter 2, beginning to read at the 12th verse. And they were all amazed, and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice, and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapour of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, 
than the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now we're actually starting at verse number 14 tonight in our study. You'll see you should have two sheets. One on Acts, chapter 2, starting at verse 14. And that sheet isn't really integral to the actual body and substance of our study tonight, but it provides a, a brief overview of Peter's sermon here on the day of Pentecost. It's just the way I've looked at it and divided it up. But um, it, it tries to give you an overview of the whole message. You know, it's, it's important when we come to uh, something like this sermon of Peter's, and we start to go through it verse by verse and line by line, we can lose sight of the, the overall purpose in the message. The, the purpose that the Holy Spirit has in the whole of it. But uh, hopefully, if you take time to look over that sheet, Saving Souls God's Way, you will draw something of the overall purpose as Peter starts where the people are brings them through the prophecy of Joel and then introduces the Lord Jesus and how God had approved him with the miracles and how he had been raised from the dead and how this fulfilled the prophecies that David had given. And then we see uh, that this title of Lord is applied unto uh, Jesus Christ. It is you who have killed Jesus, but God hath made Jesus Lord and Christ. And that ties back in with the prophecy given uh, to Joel whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved in verse 21 there and preaching as I've noted at the bottom is foolishness preaching is often despised as a method of evangelism as a method of reaching out to lost souls these days but indeed the scripture says preaching is foolishness to them that perish. But it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The other sheet is, is, is Joel. It's just a brief overview of the book of Joel. We're not going to touch on it in our studies, but we've got quite a, a lengthy passage 
from Joel, considering that Joel listened to long book, just the three chapters there. And it, again, it's sort of my version of an overview. As I looked at Joel, it's how I've approached the book. And uh, I've sought to outline it by highlighting different verses and giving them a little heading. Joel is a, is a book mentioning locusts and there's one or two quotes that are famous about the locust and how God will restore but that, that's Joel and that Peter takes a messianic prophecy <coughs> from the book of Joel and uh, uses it in this sermon of his on the day of Pentecost the outline is significant because and we'll deal with this perhaps that his hearers would have been familiar with these Old Testament scriptures perhaps more familiar than we are so anyway we're coming tonight to verse 14 of the second chapter of Acts when we left off we saw that there was this great multitude there uh, this great gathering of Jews. The people had come from afar to celebrate the feast. They were dwelling at Jerusalem. But there were also those there, the permanent residents of the land. But there were Jews. Then we see that this group was divided because, when we look there, in verse 12 and they were all amazed and were in doubt you see they'd seen the miracles or heard them because this was the miracle of tongues and they had heard in their own languages but it didn't convert them it didn't make them followers of the Lord Jesus They were filled with doubt. They didn't know what to think. They didn't know where it was going. In verse 13, others mocking. When they had seen or heard the miracle and had heard the wondrous things of God spoken of, they had mocked and said, they're all drunk. They're all intoxicated. <coughs> They were mockers. And how would the apostles respond? How would they deal with what was becoming a very difficult situation? You can feel a certain degree of tension in the air. You've got a big crowd there. Thousands of people. Amazed. Doubting. Wondering where it's going. And others are mocking and saying they're all drunk. How do you respond? What would you do? What should you do? We see in verse 14 here, but Peter, but Peter, you see Peter was ready. Peter was ready without any notice or preparation to give an answer. 
for the hope that lay within him. And that's a principle that he would later teach. And lay down for all the Lord's people. Over in 1 Peter 3.15. We are to be ready to give an answer. And we might not be called upon to, to get up and preach. But there are many situations where there's an opportunity to get up and speak for the Lord Jesus. Private conversation, a group of friends, some public issue. Peter was ready. But Peter. And you know, too, this was a contrast in the way Peter had behaved before. You remember? When the Lord Jesus had been arrested, Peter had decided to follow. Perhaps to see what happened. Perhaps to see if he could help in some way. And he was warm in his hands at the fire. And what happened? We all know what happened. On that occasion, Peter was faced with a maid. And Peter denied the Lord. Denied he ever knew him. Three times he denied. But not now. But Peter. Peter here was ready to speak. And he was going to speak up powerfully. But Peter, standing up. You know, he was going to make sure that he could be seen. There was a great multitude there. He was going to take that position where they could see him. He could just... this. Stand up, it could just refer to standing forth. It's, it's there in the Greek, it, it's not necessarily to say that he was sitting down. He could have been standing forth into a place where people could see him. He was going to be clearly identified when he brought this message. He wasn't hiding away. With the eleven. He wasn't doing this on his own. There was a unity in the apostles. But it's also important to note this reference to the eleven turns us back to the 26th verse of chapter 1 where we have Matthias and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. These were the witnesses. The official witnesses chosen of the Lord. Witnesses of the Lord's ministry. Witnesses of the Lord's resurrection. And they were all standing together. And Peter lifted up his voice. Verse 41 emphasizes that there are a lot there to hear. When we read that there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. About 3,000 got converted. It was a big crowd. 
we're not told how many were actually there, but there was about 3,000 converted. Peter raised, lifted up his voice. He raised his voice. He was going to be seen. He was going to be heard. He was going to take a stand. And that is very much what's needed today. The Lord's people being ready to stand up, to lift up their voices together to bring God's word of truth, the gospel of saving grace to a needy world. To take the opportunities available. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem. He spoke very respectfully to them. The people loudly, most likely, because people who are mocking are usually very loud and boisterous. We don't know how many there were. But they're the ones that get heard. They were mocking and saying, they're drunk! And Peter gets up and he speaks very politely to them. He addresses the whole crowd, ye men of Judea. The people that were living in the land. The permanent residents. Dwellers in Jerusalem. The word dwellers there is the same word that we came across further up the chapter when we saw there verse 5 and they were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation onto heaven. Doesn't necessarily mean permanent dwellers. It can also mean Soldiers of, of temporary residence. They had come for the feast. But Peter was including them all in his address. He had a word for the whole crowd. He wasn't just going to try and argue and debate with the mockers. He was going to deal with them, but very briefly. But he had a message for everyone. And you know, we have a message today for everyone. The message which we can bring with great politeness. And that's how we should go about things. Decently and in order. Be this known unto you. And hearken to my words. You know, he was speaking now with confidence and with boldness. He was telling them clearly that he believed he had a message for them. He had something definite to say. Something worth listening to. But this, this word, hearken, which is similar to the call in the Psalms to, to give ear to. 
it has a hint within it of something the hearers might not like. So, some of the commentators tell me through their writings. And Peter had a defence to make. And he goes in verse 15 to make it very clear. He brings forth this flat denial. For these are not drunken. When he says for these, he's speaking of all the disciples, all of those who've been speaking in tongues. And we would believe that that included Peter as well. But he says, but these, the whole group of them, he's offering a defense on the part of of them all. These are not drunken. He's very clear in a flat denial. And then he makes this direct challenge to them. As ye suppose. You know, he's making it clear he knows they're only presuming. It's only a suggestion without evidence. And a ridiculous suggestion, as we discussed before. Who ever heard of people getting drunk on wine and speaking new languages? And being understood as if they were native speakers. It's ludicrous. Peter is very, very briefly dealing with these people as ye suppose. It's implausible. Seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Now, to remember that the third hour of the day here is not talking about our three o'clock in the morning. It's, we'd seen this is looking at it in Roman time, and that the day began at sunrise, and the third hour would be between eight and nine o'clock in the morning. This would have been the, the time of morning prayer. This would have been the time of when people would have actually begun, it would seem, to eat for the day. Many people, it was, seems it was customary not to begin to eat or drink before the morning sacrifice and the hour of prayer. But Peter is saying it's impossible. It's early in the morning. People don't get drunk early in the morning unless they're habitual drunkards. As Isaiah 5 verse 11 tells us. Did you see 
Peter doesn't go into details. He doesn't say, I want you to come up now and start examining everyone here and smelling their breath and that sort of thing. He's dealing with this very briefly. Very directly. Uh, but without seeking to prove innocence totally, he treats the charge as rather frivolous. And it was a frivolous charge, meant to cause trouble, meant to direct those who were amazed and doubted and were wondering, meant to direct them away from this phenomenon, to direct them away, to take their minds off this mighty miracle. Peter has shown up these mockers with some scorn for what they are. But, as I say, he does it most politely. And then we come to verse 16. We have another but. And this is a but in Peter's message. These are not drunk. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. You know, Peter's great answer to this crowd, his message for them, is going to be a scriptural message. He's going to take God's word and apply it. Peter knew the word. Oh, I know he had the Holy Spirit's help. But I believe the Holy Spirit also uses as here. You know, there was going to be a large number converted. God was active, but so were the apostles. God used the activity of the apostles. He used Peter's preaching to bring his word to those who were converted. And I would suggest that Peter was familiar with these scriptures. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. You see, Peter is going to say that what you've seen is what God has foretold. Peter believed in the miraculous prophecy given in what we know as the Old Testament Scriptures. Peter believed that the prophet wrote down what would happen and that it came to pass. Peter had confidence in it. You know, today, very sadly, many, many, many people who claim to be theologians or Bible teachers or one sort or another spend their time 
explaining away the Old Testament prophets and their prophecies explaining that actually they're really history books written as if they were uh, words of prophecy but the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost had no time whatsoever for such nonsense and anybody who honestly read what he has to say would know that Peter believed it was a word of prophecy given in advance hundreds of years in advance and that he could take that word of prophecy with full assurance and use it unto God's glory this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel Joel very simply meaning Jehovah God Jehovah is my God we know almost nothing else about the man his father's name was Pethuel he seems to have ministered to Judea in the city of Jerusalem and very little else is known of him for certain his day was difficult he had a message calling for repentance a message of judgments a message promising blessing a short book just the three chapters it would seem to have been one of the earliest of the, the writing prophets Joel but he had an important word a prophecy that Peter would take up on the day of Pentecost that day when the Holy Spirit was poured out when that promise of the another comforter that Christ had given was fulfilled many pay little heed to Joel and his writings we're more familiar with Joel in what he says in Peter's quotation in Acts chapter 2 than we are perhaps in what he says in his book we might face an interesting time in a sense if one day we meet Joel and he says what did you think of my book well we have the opportunity to learn a little more of what Joel said in his book it's a mighty book it's worth time and study and Peter was here using this book but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel Peter was in no doubt about what had happened the people were amazed and full of doubt wondering what would happen others were scoffing but Peter knew God was working Peter knew this was what was prophesied by Joel 
And Peter was ready to tell everyone about it clearly. He was going to dispel the doubts and counteract the mockery by proclaiming God's word of truth. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And it shall come to pass. Before we we start to consider these words of Joel, it's important to note that Peter here was quoting from the Septuagint. The Greek translation of the Old Testament. But he was doing a little more than quoting from the Septuagint. He was interpreting it and he was given a word of explanation at certain points throughout this. And the Septuagint reading is not quite the same as the reading in the Hebrew, which is what the book of Joel was written in. If you put the two side by side, you will see they're not quite the same. But of course, we must remember that Peter here is speaking with the Holy Spirit's guidance. Peter is able to interpret and apply the words of Joel to the situation, to that day, to what had happened. And he can do so in the fulfilment of what was promised. And in the knowledge that all who heard him on that day knew what had happened. They had heard it. They might not have understood it, but they had heard it. They understood the words, but not what it meant. Where it was going. So, Verse 17, and it shall come to pass when God gave his word to the prophets. There was this word of assurance, it shall come to pass. When God spoke, it was certain. Prophecies fulfilled do not prove that God's word is true. It's the other way round. They happened because God said it would. It's important that we grasp that we do not set out to prove that the Bible is true. Apologetics is all about explaining what God has done, what God has said. It's not about seeking to prove that we can gather up the archaeological evidence or anything else to prove that what God said is true. We do not take what man has done and seek to use it to prove that God is right. We know what God has said 
And then we take that and seek to look at what man has done and see where man is right or wrong. Sometimes we don't understand the word correctly and we can go astray. Other times we don't understand what man has done. We fail to understand the evidence and interpret it wrongly and we get confused. But it is important. We start with God's word and we look then at what has happened. That must always be our principle. Whatever the subject is, if God's word deals with it, if God has set forth principles, we know what God's standard is and what is right and what is wrong. For instance, killing babies in the womb is wrong. Why? Because God gave that life. And God says, it's wrong of us to kill them. End of debate. We know that what Mr. Darwin said is wrong because of what we read in God's Word. Does that mean we should stop studying biology? Does that mean we should stop studying the species? Or geology? No, it doesn't. But it does mean we should study them in the light of what God has said. We should seek to study them for God's glory. To learn more about God from these things. Because God has said it, it will be. And that must always be our standard, whatever the area of life we're looking at. Things are not relativistic. Things are absolute. The problem is in our understanding. So, Peter here is quoting Joel. And Joel is giving God's word. It shall come to pass in the last days. I should rather just look at the word by there. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in verse 16 there. The word by is important and I overlooked it there. We mustn't. By the prophet Joel. There's, there's more than, there's something lost in the word by in our translation. Through would have been perhaps a better rendering. Because God spoke through Joel. And, and that's what the idea is in the Greek. Through. Peter spoke of David in chapter 1, speaking by the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas. 
you know, somebody said that the book of Acts is not a doctrinal book. Well, <laughs> it's not a book like some of the epistles that sets out detailed teaching. But the book of Acts is a doctrinal book. When you read it carefully, you keep tripping over the doctrine. You can't get away from it. These principles are vital. God spoke through Joel. And that is inspiration. Every scripture is given by inspiration. <coughs> Breathed out of God. In the last days shall come to pass in the last days. What does that phrase remind us of in the last days? What does it mean? In Joel it says afterwards. If you look it up. Joel said afterwards. But Peter is providing this interpretation for us. He's telling us in the last days. This is that he said. And then it says it shall come to pass in the last days. So it's something that was then. But let's just briefly look at Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2. Verse 1 said, God, who at sundry times in divers' manners spake in time passed unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Now you see there's a difference there. God spoke by the prophets. Different types of writings. And it, but now, God has spoken unto us by his Son. And there's a completeness of revelation. And God spoke by his Son. If we look place 2 now, just turn over a few pages to Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3 in the third verse. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So, we see here that the last days are connected up with Christ's coming. They're also connected up with his coming again. I have a quotation here from commentator Richard Lenski. He says, Peter's word in his interpretive 
explaining what the Hebrew afterward really means. Namely, the last period of the world which is ushered in by the first coming of Christ and continues until his second coming. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. Saith God. When Joel spoke, it was God that spoke. And we can be confident we have God's word before us. We can be confident. It's quick and powerful. Sharper than a two-edged sword. It's the weapon that we need for the battle to be fought today. Our battles are not to be fought with the weapons of the world. The Lord Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world, else would my servants fight. But our battle is a spiritual battle. And we have God's word. We have the saith God. And we can go with confidence. Let's remember that God's word is complete. We just turn finally to Revelation 22.18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. We'll leave it there. We're out of time. God willing, we shall continue next week.